0: Like if somebody's telling me, like if I interview like three people and all three of them are like, "Yo, you should be recording this. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's I've been thinking about it, but I want to make sure it's done right and all this. No, you just got to
1: do it. Yeah. Like that's, that's you got to start stuff. That's probably the, the the main thing about my career and the, the people that I've been involved with. Mm-hmm. Normally you don't have the equipment. You have the idea. Right. So it's like if you have a clear enough vision about the, the idea... Then you can walk it backwards in the equipment, and and you can and if you have a clear enough vision, you can talk to people who have you know the thing that you don't, and figure out how it worked together as a puzzle. Hot breath. What up, though? You know
0: what time it is. Hot breath. <sighs> I'm of course your host Joel Byers, and welcome back to the Hot Breath Verse, all my hot brethren and sistren. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome aboard to a very special Hot breath episode with one of the major players in music. From behind the scenes to in front of the mic, this guy has done it all and worked with the very best in entertainment. You're going to hear all about it in this episode. Thank you for taking the time to tune in. I met this dude a couple years ago hosting an internet radio show. We kept in touch, and I started this podcast, and he was on the bucket list of like, I've got to interview this guy and capture his story. Nowhere else can you hear him sitting down for a one-on-one interview than right here on Hot Breath, so I appreciate you for taking the time to experience this with me. If you enjoy this episode, please, all I ask, quickly go over to Creative Loafing. They are doing their best of Atlanta voting right now, and it ends next week, so I really would appreciate your help in this i spend hours producing and researching and conducting these interviews and you just taking a minute or two to vote hot breath really does make a difference so it's in the cityscape section third row from the bottom best local podcast hot breath i'll even send a link to it in the show notes of this podcast as well so it's all right there at the tip of your fingers and this hot breath episode is now at the tip of your ears because it is time ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, stay tuned till the end of the outro. We've got a very special bonus outtake I think you will enjoy. So now that we have said that, it is time to inhale a hot breath. All right. With Kawan Prather.
1: Yeah, man. I did too. I really actually bought those. Damn I'm sure you can find more I just don't like buying shit
0: <laughs> Like, I guess I, at a certain point when you have money You're like, oh, buying stuff gets
1: boring No, it's just like there's a point where you lose shit Like I just wasted $250 For some shit that I knew I was going to waste $250 <laughs> All right Is it is it picking up? It's picking up I'll just leave it here
0: yeah, it's picking up. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll just do. Yeah, let me get up. Can you say your full name into the microphone?
1: Uh, my name is Kawan Prather. As a DJ, I'm KP the Great, um, but most people call me KP. KP the Great, welcome to the Hot
0: Breathiverse. <sighs> <laughs> Got it. Made it from MySpace to the Hot Breathiverse. How about that? That's, that's where it all started, baby. And randomly in Slankonia where there was made Boomiverse. It's incredible. <laughs> we, formerly Boss Town yes, as well. Absolutely. Out here on Studio Row. Bobby Brown in here. <laughs> What's crazy is just sitting down with you first off. Thank you for taking the time to do this because I know you're big on surroundings and the people you surround yourself with is a big deal to you. So the fact that you're willing to sit down with me. Is a, it's a high honor to be honest with you. Oh, no, just to it's, start it's that it's off,
1: dope. Because um, I remember seeing you perform probably like, what was that, like three years ago? Um, yeah, at Uptown? At Uptown. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, dude, it's funny as hell. <laughs> like, so to me, that's like, you're good at what you do. So that's, that's part of the, I guess, the circle of it is you want to be around people who are talented and give a fuck about what they do.
0: Right. And that's, I give a F about what you do. I'm going to keep awesome. it PG on oh, PG. here. Oh, awesome. No, it doesn't matter, actually. I fuck with you too, KP. Uh, so thank you. we're here at Stankonia. <laughs> I guess this is, all I know about Stankonia is just the Outcast album. Is that where this was recorded?
1: Like, um, what's the history uh, here? Well, everything. Um, this, Stankonia is the place where we all, this is the first major studio I think we all worked in as the Dungeon family. Okay. When I was in a group parental advisory, this is where we recorded that first album. And that was the first album to be recorded from the Dungeon. So this Whoa. is where we all kind of camped out and figure out what we sound like. <laughs> what was what were the early days of recording like in the Dungeon family? It was in a basement, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that wasn't necessarily recording. That's what we made music. That's what we wrote, and you know, we didn't really have the full equipment to record. We oh, had yeah. just enough to make the actual beats, and, and you know, you can sit around and write, and then you actually go upstairs and play the beat and rap it to people, so they go, oh yeah, that's dope. And the criticisms go, happen. you go change it, and by the time you get to the studio, it's right. Okay. I do not know if you were, like, in the
0: bathroom booth or whatever, like a mattress. No, you guys no, no. Go we weren't that advanced. Oh, not that advanced. <laughs>
1: nah. No, 1991? No, nah, it was... We, But the thing is, we had makeshift studios that we had rented before. Uh-huh. Like, we had the spot at the skating rink at Jelly Beans that, that we all... We built. So we had a real fake booth that Whoa. we built.
0: That was dope. <laughs> and this was before there was even really a music industry in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, there was none. This and- was just... This was hobbies. This was these. It was people who, like, we all went to high school together in some form of fashion. We, you know, did talent shows together and ended up, like, realizing we really enjoyed doing it. Mm-hmm. So we figured out ways to put equipment together. Like, my uncle bought me equipment. Rico's homeboy bought equipment. We all put it together and just worked. So you did, like, talent shows? Like- oh, absolutely. We did every kind of talent show. Yeah? Yeah, we did talent shows at skating rinks. I was me and Sleepy Brown were talking yes day before yesterday about a talent show we did when I was before Parental Advisory, Mello, the one of the lead rappers in the group. Mm-hmm. Me and him, I was in a group, but I was a dancer oh, at man. that moment. <laughs> um, but I was producer, I was a DJ, I did like whatever. I was like, whatever job, I got it. Yeah. Um, but we we had a talent show and we had um we had bought these outfits. It was like shiny patent leather shoes with like these hooks. For the laces, not like holes. So we did this thing where it was like a kid and play routine, and when we kicked our shoes, got caught. <laughs> like, and we just like hopped around and just danced like our way out of it. But it was like, but we did everything. We did like we went through the the process. Uh uh-huh. huh. Did- that, that's how we knew. Okay. Oh, that's why dress rehearsal is a point. Oh,
0: okay. So right. it's like
1: we we went through every stage to find out every pitfall. How old were you when this was going on? This might have been 15, 16. No, yeah, 16.
0: So this was after your hustling days at the airport and all that? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Where you had LL Cool J. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Wow.
1: You do research. That's awesome. (laughs) That's cool.
0: You just had so many crazy connections that have just happened along the way that it just seemed like it was just meant to be.
1: It's definitely Forrest Gumpy. Like, yeah. in, In the sense that, like, randomly I'd be in situations that. I guess I was prepared for, or mm-hmm. willing to learn from, and because I guess I kept my eyes open, I, I saw the opportunities. Because you you go to tri cities
0: where you're going to school with outcasts, but only because you got kicked out of Maze well,
1: yeah Well, I got kicked out of Maze. Went to a school called Lakeshore. Lakeshore closed down. That school was then like poured into another school called Westlake, which was Lakeshore and Westwood. Um, started getting in trouble at Westlake moved well More my trouble. mom moved me and I had to go to <laughs> Tri-Cities where I ended up graduating from and yeah and when I got there it's you know Candy from Escape it's Candy Tamika on oh, no, no Scott sisters were there um it was it was it was just randomly Jagged Edge was there <laughs> um yeah it's like it's like a lot of talented people were there but it was a school of the arts too so uh-huh. it wasn't just random I, I was lucky enough to be in situations where I was in proximity.
0: You were lucky enough to cause enough trouble yes, to where I you made, could get I you. made
1: myself noticed, uh-huh. and I, I built a buzz <laughs> in my city. And how, how big did the trouble get? I mean, you know, I, I went to four high schools. Oh, okay. But, you know, I yeah. learned at each one of them. Okay. <laughs> it was a high school tour.
0: Uh, that's what we'll call it. Yeah. Okay, we don't forget. Yeah, into that's how you start touring. Like you know, <laughs> again, it's like listen
1: when you think about all of it, it's, it's it, it makes sense. Now. <laughs> yeah. So how did how did the whole Outcasts link up happen? Random. Um, Another again, random. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we. I mean, again, we went to the same school, so it wasn't so random. But we all knew a bunch of the same people, and me and Rico and like Pat and Ray, like all of us already knew each other. Outcasts was kind of like. They they were we weren't the Dungeon Family official at this point. We were just PA, Organized Noise and some equipment, and Big Rube and the U Boys. It was a bunch of different groups in the crew, and Outcast. Big Boy got a CD, a tape actually, that I had left in somebody's car with beats from Organized Noise on it, but it, I had written OMP beats, you know, and. He found it. They wrote some raps to it. And then they found their way up to Rico's job where we all used to hang out at. And they came up and rapped to these beats. And we didn't know how they had them at first. <laughs> you know, but, you know, we found out. We figured it out. Wow. And now
0: you you became, like, what, what, what ended up being your role with them? I just know you're connected to them. My role?
1: Um, well, because I was in one of the other groups. We were we were just we were brothers in Dungeon Family, right? Mm-hmm. But as we started getting um, noticed by record companies by L.A. and Pebbles, they started kind of looking at our crew and telling us what jobs we were doing because they noticed that we got stuff done, but we did it within ourselves. So you know, they'd be at the studio in L.A. What Pebbles asked was the first person to say it. She's like, you know, you should be on this side because what you're doing is a job. It's called ANR. Uh And I was like, "What do you mean?" She was like, "Well, the way that you find this person and bring them to to the studio to meet this person, and then they end up doing stuff together, and you know, it's kind of you're you're orchestrating. It's not exactly Mm -hmm. producing, but it's you know, if it was a movie, you'd be a producer. But in the record company, you'd be an R because you kind of facilitate all these relationships and kind of communicate through everybody or everybody communicates through you." And she was like, "But that's a job. You get paid for it. You know, it's a career." And, you know, for like three years, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. But we, because I was in a group, so we were touring and I would still meet people on the road, whether it be like Q-Tip and find out he produces, then like LA, you know, you know Q-Tip, you know, it was like that kind of random, not random, but just that was my thing. And LA was one day like, look, you should do this as well as what you're doing. If you're successful at it, it'll be easy. It won't be a problem because you're already doing it. If you notice that you like it, it could be something. And that was kind of how I started in the A and R space.
0: And it just so happened to be something. Turns, yeah, out. Yeah, turns out, turns LA out L. A. Reid
1: knew what he was talking about. Yeah, L. I mean, A. LA knows <laughs> he knows things. he knows stars, man. Like and he you knows he knows talent, and he he understands. I think character of artists. Okay, like he understands the science in it. Like hmm. you know the the you know one cup ego, one cup vision, one cup desire t- kind of thing, and he understands you know the alchemy in it like who to put with people and you know he showed me how to use that too it's kind of like you know some jedi shit yeah
0: that you now are a yoda in yourself like how do you see cuz i mean you you've you've there's no need to even go down the resume but i mean you know ti is someone you saw before he had any buzz and you're mm-hmm. like okay this kid's got something what do you see in someone what is the instinct that comes out when you see like a star <laughs>
1: Um it's really just it's a feeling for real. Okay. You know, it's you know when people say the it thing, it's mm-hmm. like I think it is different for different people. For me, it's when I meet somebody and they're smart and they understand detail and art and they see things. Like when they're in a room, they notice. Like mm-hmm. that's important to me because because this business is so it's tricky because everybody's happy to see when when you're looking at them. Boom. So at the point that you can recognize the feeling of like when I'm turning around, they're preparing their smile. All right. Hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. When you can understand that part, it makes it easier for you to navigate. So I kind of look for it's really like almost I want to say street sense, but it's it is. The ability to see people. So I look at people who see people. Mm-hmm. All those
0: vine city instincts,
1: yes. I guess, coming back
0: around. Yeah, absolutely. And from Ti, then all of a sudden you're connected with Pharrell. No,
1: no, I was connected with Pharrell first and oh. connected. Like me and Pharrell met, we just met and, connect, and clicked. Like he, like our birthdays are kind of close, and we, you know, Aries are kind of into Aries. The idea of being an Aries, so oh, okay, whatever so, that means. Yeah, it yeah. just means that because we're the first zodiac sign, it's like oh, okay. we feel the way. So we sure. we connected on that. <laughs> okay, and but but just through that just noticing um each other's desire to push culture not just be in the game Mm -hmm. and we got cool and when i met when i met tip i brought him to Pharrell because i was like his his pharrell and, and chad have they have an ability to take these far out ideas and make them very accessible and what i knew we were trying to do with tip was big like, you know, the idea that he wanted to be the king of the South, that's like a big undertaking. Yeah. So I had to make sure I had people around who were brave enough or even understanding enough of what that means and, and what kind of music that has to be. And I just wanted him to be around professional people so he could learn right. So before he was even the king <laughs> yeah. and all that, he like he was like, I'm going to be the king. Yeah. He said it one day on just on some random. And I was like, oh, OK, bet. Well, I mean, say you got to say it then. If you believe it, say it. Whoa.
0: And,
1: yeah. So have you found that to be a theme in your career or being
0: around such successful people is they first have the vision, state that vision, and then almost game plan how to get to that vision? They set the finish line before they yeah, start almost?
1: absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird to me because I, I meet artists and entertainers and people in general who want to be famous, right? Mm, but yeah. but the, the 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 most scary thing I've ever heard is yo man, just put me on man, I'll do whatever. And it's like, yeah, nah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah. You cool? You can do it over there though. <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever that way because it's not specific. It's not specific, and uh-huh. someone who will do anything will do anything. True. Yeah. <laughs> So I just don't need that to count. I don't need to be looking for that in my life. I don't, yeah. I don't need to be checking on you every day to find out what today's anything is. What was it about Pharrell that you guys connected on instantly? Honesty, just, honesty. Yeah. Um. He he played. You know, the first time we sat down, he played a bunch of records, and you know, he was beginning. Well, not he. Them the Neptunes were beginning to be like the Neptunes. It was very early. It wasn't like a lot of records out, but. People were talking about him, so when I met him, he was already clear that people liked him, and people had been buying tracks, and you know he was successful enough. Uh-huh. But he was playing records, and I was like, "Yeah, that's cool. Are you play the next one though." And he was like, "What you mean?" I was like, "Yeah, this one I just don't connect with it. Like, but if you play the next one, let's see what what's next." Right. <laughs> and and we went through that process, but it was it wasn't a you know it wasn't disrespectful obviously because it was all really quality, but it was literally about a feeling, right? So he was like, "Oh, oh, okay, you get it." He was like, "Yo, man, like he's like sometimes I sit and and people, like they buy tracks that I hate, and and some that I know aren't even good mm-hmm. because they they are like, oh, and they do the break your neck, Bob, and, <laughs> and he's like, and I and it's irritating because it's like I need somebody to tell me the truth so I can know what I'm doing right and wrong. Like I like gauging based on honesty, basically, mm-hmm. and from then on we've just been cool." And you guys had
0: some vision about the song, Happy, that I, I read about. No, where, he had a, he, But like, it was like you two, like, agreed on about the song, Happy, that nobody else did, but you guys yeah. still followed well, your, what was that situation?
1: Well, long story short, the song was done for another artist Okay. That, at a label that I was working on, and um, the label at the time didn't hear the song as a hit record. They heard it as kind of more of an irritating kind of thing. <laughs> And, but I, wow. but, but it's one of those, but, but, but by the way, it's, it's not unfair. Like yeah. if you're not a happy person and you hear happy, happy, <laughs> yeah it it could be irritating. It, it could be very irritating. Like, so anyway, if that's not what you're looking for, it's not your thing. Uh-huh. So I understood that, but I also understood that it was a great song. And I was like, well, dude, why don't you just do it yourself instead of trying to force or, or try to push to get somebody to understand what you're trying to do. Just do it. And and again, I'm not the only person who said it, but it's like he didn't want to. He just wasn't looking to be an artist at that time. Um, but he went ahead and put the record out, and it became what it became. But we were always really clear. So, throughout the process of it blowing up, we still were talking every day. Like, look at this. Like, can you believe this? Like, you know. And and (laughs) but then it got to a point where I was I was at a weird place where I was working I just didn't I didn't feel like I was being as creative as I wanted to be mm-hmm. and or I felt like I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't ex- express creatively outside of a space right and I was like you know I was just getting bored and he was like man well look, why don't we just do something together He was like well, why don't you just come over here and I am mother and we'll you know do what you want to do and I was like cool
0: now you're the head of music over there yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's cool yeah. And we have Cap G moving, yeah. you know, Cap G is there, like, you know, we have Bia, who's coming up, we have Watch the Duck, who's from Atlanta as well. Well, they're from Alabama, but I met him here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, Cap
0: G went to Tri-City as well. He also went to
1: Tri-City, yep, 20 years, you know, after me. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, but it's fun. Yeah. yeah, And, you know, Cap G is is special in, its, in itself because, you know, his background is so different from most MCs at this point, especially out of Atlanta, it's like... He's a Mexican-American kid born and raised in Atlanta with a family who is from Mexico and California, but he's the only child who was born here. (laughs) And it's like, so he has this, it's almost like a magical thing about him because he understands a bunch of culture and he, he navigates it with the respect that most people don't. Because a lot of times when people see out, like in hip hop, when people from outside the culture, outside of black culture, when they see hip hop, they see the caricature of it. And, and they tend to go into that space. Like, um, what's the dude, tiptoeing in my Jordans? Um, tiptoeing in, in my Jordans. Jordans. Riff Raff. Oh, riff. <laughs> okay. Okay, but no, but it's like, yeah. but there's a caric- caricature of it. Totally. Like, you can see it. And it's it's like, okay, I hear you. It's funny at times, but more than likely it's not respected. Uh, for me, I don't I don't get into it. Um, and you know music so. well no no i know music so i know that's a hit record yeah i know, <laughs> I, know I like the song but uh-huh. but from an artistic space i'm i'm big on you know not appropriation of culture but just respect of it and when people do anything like whether it's honey boo boo or or whatever it's like i'm like why would you clown yourself that way i don't i don't understand the cool space mm. so for me I just like that Cap is a, like authentically a Mexican kid who was born and raised in College Park. So when he talks he sounds like just a dude from College Park except he's speaking in in concept or in um specifics about Mexican culture at times and he's you know he speaks Spanish and he's just he's a cool young dude who gives a story that we haven't heard yet. So is he an example of a star like You said there
0: was a magic about him. Did you feel that before even hearing him rap? Like you just meet him or did you hear him rap first?
1: Actually, I saw a video first. So it wasn't even that much brain wrestling. It was like Uh I saw him. He had a video up on YouTube for the song Tatted Like Amigos. And it was him and Chief Keef. And what I loved is I didn't know who, I did not know who he was, but he stood up next to Chief Keef. At a time when Chief Keef was like the beginning of Chief Keefness, where it was like intimidating. It was like, this dude's about to blow up, but this young kid who I didn't know was in this video, and he looked like, yeah, I'm I'm here though, <laughs> yeah, and I'm here because I'm supposed to be, right? And you know the records, the record was a good record, so I was just like, okay, so he's talented, he has confidence, like direction can only help that.
0: So you pull up the A and R kind of experience, because I guess with A and R. Just to kind of break down that responsibility a little bit, are you you're kind of like the shepherd of this artist in a way? Yeah, like that's hilarious. You, you bring them like to different venues. Like how how let's let me ask this how far does like the engineering of an artist go in the sense of like, if they're working for a label, Mm -hmm. like, is there somebody like, we're going to need more ad libs there. Gucci, we need you to say burr more right here. Like, do they, do they brand, maybe not Gucci man specifically. Yeah, yeah, That was a bad example, but he's one of the rappers I do like here. (laughs) But I didn't know if like something works and then they're under
1: the umbrella of this label. And they're like, you have to do this because you work for us. No, no, no. I mean, well, Technically, and I wish most artists knew this, mm-hmm. the label works for you. Mm-hmm. Like, you create content and they market it. That's what it's supposed to be. That That's the that's a chain of command. Like, the record company doesn't tell you what to do. They oh, don't listen. Okay. Now, they have advice. They have experience. It would behoove you a lot of times to listen if you believe that the person knows what they're talking about. Now, just because a person at a label doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about either, by the way. You just have to be discerning to, to know the people you want around you, mm-hmm. so when I so I I also look at when I'm signing an artist, I see them, but do they see me? Because I feel like I know some specifics, and I've you know I know what I've done, I know my experiences. I feel like as an artist, you should research the people that you're going to meet that could possibly have an impact on your life. Totally, and some people get so excited by stuff, and and the light that. You know they get lost in it, and again, those are the people I don't necessarily like. I prefer that if I work with the artist, they have a choice to work with somebody else, so that it's a decision that we're working together, mm-hmm. as opposed to I come show up in a flashy car, you know, take you out to eat, pop a bottle, put a girl on you, and then you like, yo, we had a ball. Now I'm about to he about to break my career, great. <laughs> no, he just conned you. Like you got conned. What is
0: it about? the the short term success versus that long term what is what is the timeless quality of some music
1: you know what the funny part is I don't know but I just know that it takes the same amount of effort and time to make something whack big as it does to make something great bigger interesting it all requires work it's the same work like like I don't I don't take away from someone who I don't that if I don't like your music it doesn't mean that I don't think that you deserve what success you get it's you know there are a lot of people who aren't as talented but will outwork a talented person mm-hmm. the the when you see a superstar it's because a talented person has a drive to outwork someone who's willing to outwork them mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's a competitive space and and i feel like i'm competitive and i want competitive people around like even when we're talking art it's like it's subjective but how you get it to the people is competitive somebody you definitely worked up was usher mm-hmm. like you I mean, I don't know. Were you at the beginning of his career? Cause you am were... um, not the f- well. I've known him since the beginning of his career. Uh-huh. The first album I I didn't work on. That was um, the record he did with with Puff, with Puff Daddy, Sean Combs, P Diddy, <laughs> Puff Daddy at the time. Uh huh. <laughs> so I didn't do that record, but I I started doing A and R around that time. Like again, I, I knew him because he would come to the dungeon. We were around the same people. The talent show stuff. The showcases. So I had seen him and I met him and he had been around the dungeon. So he was like, little bruh, but very, very little bruh. (laughs) So when I started working at LaFace, L.A. was like, yo, you want to take a stab at trying to get this Usher thing on on track? Because it had been a while since the first album and it didn't really connect as much as people thought it should have. And in that period between, he had been working with a bunch of producers and it just wasn't like nothing it wasn't special yet it was like quality producers who knew how to make songs but they weren't making Usher records
0: what was missing? did this the production and the artist didn't line up like the voice? I think
1: well again I think it's all chemistry right so okay. LA had this conversation about because he was just nervous he didn't know what to do with Usher at this point and I was like well sh- sh- why don't we just take him over to Jermaine's house and you Jermaine know Jermaine Dupree. yeah Jermaine Dupri uh-huh. yeah and because again Jermaine Dupree we grew up together you know, we were sleepovers, you know, it was like that's my friend, like we lived in the same apartment well, he lived in apartments my cousin lived in in off Riverdale Road, Brandon And we all used to go over to Jermaine's house, he had a video game in his house, you know, that was like like I guess the equivalent of clickbait for friends. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like so he had he had games and he was you know, he was cool, we all were cool. He liked music, we liked music. Um so yeah, again, we just we all grew up together, and by this time, Jermaine was Jermaine. He had done Crisscross, he had you know started his label. He was he was a producer, so and he had a, a expertise with young kids, like in the space of how to make it not corny. Mm. So you know, because the 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 first Usher project was kind of grown, like the first single was "Can You Get With It?" It's only a sexual thing, but he was like fifteen. Gotcha, like. He was in school, and Puff <laughs> came and picked him up out of class, and he sang the song. Uh-huh. Um, and it was just like, from some for someone from the South, he's from Tennessee, young, you know, good looking kid, like all American looking kid, and he's saying this. It kind of doesn't connect because the person who has to approve this is not going to approve for their daughter to listen to that at that time, right? But we understood that he was he was a mature kid, so he could talk about mature things, but in the fashion that. The Jackson Five did, where there's stories and you know it doesn't, you don't have to be. It doesn't have to be about sex. It doesn't have to be about sex. It could just be about a relationship. Mm-hmm. And Jermaine knows how to do that well.
0: You just see the evolution. Then he he starts off being a little more playful, and then yeah. as he gets older, oh, it may, have, yeah. it may have not. Um, this is the first time I was trying. Okay. This, so it may just not. Run out have, of space. Yeah, it may have. We'll um, we'll
1: see what. There you go. I just noticed it. I see shit. Okay. I'm sure you have
0: a very special perception. Don't, Don't worry about it. It's fine. Okay. We got the audio. Okay. Uh, that, was the, that was just the first the stab test. at it. Okay, cool. Because, you know, I've been trying to listen. Of course, I mean, I listen and pay attention to everything, too. Mm-hmm. But I've been trying to listen and pay attention to the feedback I'm getting. Mm-hmm. So if I hear something a couple times. Like, if somebody's telling me, like, if I interview, like, three people and all three of them are like, "Yo, you should be recording this. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's, I've been thinking about it, but I want to make sure it's done right and all that. No, you just got
1: to do it. Yeah. Like, that's, that's you got to start stuff. Right. Like, that's the, you know, that's probably the, the, the main thing about my career and the the people that I've been involved with. hmm Normally, you don't have the equipment. You have the idea. Right. So it's like, if you have a clear enough vision about the the idea, then you can walk it backwards in the equipment. And, and you can, and if you have a clear enough vision, you can talk to people who have, you know, the thing that you don't and, and you build, like, that's what I think even with the dungeon family, that's what we are. It's like a bunch of kids who had different talents, different pieces and brought them to this basement and figured out how it worked together as a puzzle. And, Luckily, it it was so many different people from so many different parts of Atlanta that had so many different point of views that mm-hmm. everybody was spoken for. So it felt like the South, as opposed to you know Outcast representing these dudes from this one street.
0: Yeah, because you were you told Outcast, you guys were telling Outcast stories
1: that then translated into their music, right? Yeah, like they, they were the, they were the younger brothers of the the crew at yeah. the time. They were the youngest, so they had the they had the the best position because they could hear all this information and then translate it to the generation that they represent, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, it's not not judgment. It's not telling you how to be. It's just a thought, you know? It's like Big Boy and, and Andre tend to have different perspectives, which makes it dope because it's like, whereas one guy is, you know, all about the energy of it, the other dude might really be trying to figure out how to get his dicks up. (laughs) <laughs> like you know what I'm saying but but it's like but it's it's in everybody that that, that dichotomy or the, the juxtaposition is in everybody yeah it's, it's why Tupac is dope it's why keep your head up worked. with Brenda got a baby and I get around mm. it's like yeah I feel like that from time to time yeah and, and that honesty I think is the other connection honesty yeah okay like honesty in the music period just being honest like being uh-huh. an honest person like the beauty of, of T.I., right, is good, better, and different of how you feel about what he's doing. He's honest about what he's doing and clear about it in a way that he's not walking around with the guilt of your perception. Hmm. At least he's being authentic. He's authentically whatever he's going through is what he's going through. And he deals with it as he would deal with it, whether you were watching or not.
0: Okay. That's a good, that's a good note for artists out there because a lot of times people... Try to do something that they think's going to pop off instead of being authentic, mm-hmm. and that's what you can tell I, probably where the the people get microwaved, especially with the internet, yeah people can get microwave success where they get this instant little pop, but it just it goes off like a bottle rocket yeah. as opposed to you know making a whole fire that thens like an inferno,
1: yeah that that people remember exactly or that they can still look at because it's still there, mm-hmm. like you know I think you know making an impact is harder, but the impact is there, like you know. what I mean, it's, it's, it's people think about it, can talk about it. It'll matter of fact, they don't have to talk about it if it worked really well because it keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to talk about how you know great Outkast was because if you turn on the radio, an Outkast song will still come on and sound as good as the song that's on before and after. Yeah, because it's just a quality thing. So you don't. Know, it's not old school at that point. It's just quality or classic. Especially when the radio loops the same
0: six songs over and over again. The fact an outcast song can still get in that rotation. Yeah, it's like that's
1: the competition of it because it's just space. <sighs> like no matter how you look at it as an artist, you're trying to occupy space that millions of people want. Mm-hmm. So when you see somebody who's lasted in anything more than two or three years, you got to understand that there's something different about them. Like they are willing to do like put in work that you may not be able to put in. Like, that's the competition. It's like to get up in the morning and every day still be focusing on how to make great art and do the work to put it in front of people. So what is that work you're referencing? It's it's the part where you have to go out and promote. It's where you have to go and convince people that you're worthy of their time and money. Where you have to go out and work for free. Where you have to go out and just be in front of people. It's like that part. Like, the part that usually breaks people. Mm. You know the the good part to me is like that's the part what I like to see. I love seeing people in that space. I love to see people either make it or break. Mm-hmm. It's like that's that might be, and I don't know if it's like good or bad or some evil <laughs> shit, but I I do enjoy watching that pressure place because yeah. it's like once you see somebody come through it, you like yeah, it's almost like you get that thug tear and drops. And you like yeah we <laughs> yeah, but then when they don't, you just, you know that disappointment of. What do you, you know, like, what do you do is there's a point where it's on you. Mm Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite
0: things in watching comedians. I, I laugh the most when comedians are bombing because mm-hmm. I love them seeing that adversity because we all go through yeah, it. Yeah, it has to happen. We all go through it. So I'm most entertained when comedians are bombing just to see how they react and, and, uh, and uh, how they but, come back from it or if. Right. Yeah. The, the, uh, and the filler words. <laughs> so, so what y'all want to talk <laughs> yeah. about? So, you know, uh. Hey, white man. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> me at Uptown. Me just saying the word white gets a laugh at Uptown. I it's, know. It's, it's, I, it's, it's
1: the silliest in the world. Yeah. But, but it's like, but I, but it's the reason why I enjoyed you there because you didn't pander to trying to make the black joke. Mm-hmm. Like it was still the smart joke. It was just the joke. Yeah. So it. So and and to me as a as a fan, as a person who came to see comedy, I don't want to be played down to. And and and, and you notice that everyone laughed at the other all the things that you say that were the jokes because everybody's pretty smart, right? But when you see people. See to me dumb down actually is more insulting to me than it is the person who did it mm-hmm. cuz I feel like you you don't give me credit to be able to understand and by doing that you lose all of me like all the people like me who would probably tell other people about you if you're dope exactly but you then play to the people who don't care anyway cuz they're not even sure that's a joke they're not <laughs> you know they're not really into it they're just like you know oh he said white boy Right. what was it, what, what.
0: And they're not going to remember and like with music, there's not a feeling behind it either. No,
1: because they don't remember a name of a song, they don't remember a line that makes them go back to it. They don't remember a point that makes them make that joke or that song relevant mm-hmm. to their life. It's the reason why, you know, Chris Rock can can say anything he wants because we all see, we've seen the the example of what he's talking about. Black, white, Asian, well, no matter what you are, you've seen, you know, Everything he's spoken about. So you have a reference point. That's what makes you either get into the joke or not, or the comedian or not. If their point of view is one that you can understand or even just, you know, respect or just, oh, I see that. Yeah, that's been my
0: goal since I started was I want to be able to do the same jokes at Punchline that I do at Uptown. Yes.
1: And if one works one place and not the other, then I just kill a great joke. Exactly. Yeah, because the thing is that, okay, so same thing with, with music, right? Outcasts shouldn't just have to play to black audiences. Like, why would yeah. they? They say really cool shit. Yeah. So, if it's cool, it's cool across culture if it's true. Mm-hmm. The honesty makes it translate. Like, you know, you can. I used to wonder why certain records didn't travel outside of Atlanta, right? Then I started traveling outside Atlanta and I started recognizing that. Okay, if we put so much draw and so much regional on it from a articulate space, right, mm-hmm. you, you cancel out the next person who doesn't understand that language. So the more that you can stick to actual language and actual words, <laughs> that can translate everywhere.
0: Uh-huh. But you see Atlanta's getting known for like mumble rap as they call it.
1: No, that's a generational thing. That's not just Atlanta. That's a, that's a thing. Oh, I thought that was Atlanta artists though. No, no, I'm sure it like most things it started with Atlanta. Yeah. But yeah, but, yeah, but the thing is that again that's a problem and the, the gift and curse about the influence of Atlanta. Okay. Like we're cool, like we're entertaining, <laughs> we're funny, we're smart, we're, we're all those things, right? But if you if you make one part the thing, it'll be just as big. Like Atlanta has a flavor that is just like it. it's relatable, mm-hmm. even when you kind of don't want to like it. You get it.
0: So, like, what is it about the city? Because you've seen it, like we said, you've seen it grow from where there was no music industry to now it's like the music industry. Oh, it's the inter- entertainment industry. It's like, inter-
1: yeah, it's yeah, true. And film, we're the number one, you know, in, in revenue, we made the most money last year in Atlanta. Whoa, with, with movies and TV. Like we're like a nine billion dollar industry in film. Hey, well, that's why I started this
0: podcast because I was I was starting to see first the comedy scene blowing up here, and mm-hmm. comedians from Atlanta getting on Comedy Central and Netflix mm-hmm. and HBO. So it started off with comedy, and I'm like, the city's dope.
1: Like something's <laughs> popping <laughs> off everywhere. Yeah. So like that's what the, like the that's foundation what makes everything, of this everything is. dope though. That's why that's why so many things work out of Atlanta because. Every, in every nook and cranny, there's something really special. Hmm. And the more that the special people see it, they talk about it. And special people talk, and people listen to them, and and those things translate. So it's it's really like, it's a we're a tastemaker city, and I don't know how it happened, but I know it is a fact though.
0: Yeah, because even back in the day, I think before the city was burned down by Sherman, this was like called Terminus, and mm-hmm. everything came, came through. through this region.
1: Yeah. And we have the world's busiest airport. Mm-hmm. Like, We're viral. What is it about? No, Outkast's first album went viral before the internet based on Freaknik. <laughs> I totally forgot about Freaknik. No, but that's the thing. It's like you got yeah. all these college kids coming into town, yeah. and we had samplers of Outkast tape, and we get we will pass them out in traffic. People are stuck in traffic. Oh, man. What did they do? Like, we gave every car. Like, we... I don't know how many cassettes went out, but I felt like it was somewhere in the 5,000, the 6,000 range. But every, every time I meet someone out of town, they're like, man, I remember coming to Atlanta, and the first... I got for Freak Nick, and I got this outcast tape. Man, I remember it had Crumbling Herb, and they couldn't tell... And I'm like, yeah, I remember all that. What? Because... It was the first time we got all these kids from all these different colleges to take back to their college these dudes that were kind of hot in Atlanta that weekend. That that's that's such a cool little nugget right there
0: of just how you can spread the word like hand to hand combat almost still in the like, It, it works better
1: than anything I've ever seen, I, I, even in, internet included. That's what I was about to ask. Yeah. yeah, no, the internet is dope, but it's not. You can't. You don't have. You, you can't really trust it. Mm. You don't know who the person is on the other side. Yeah. So you don't know the person who says they love you so much even has, you know, taste or you know, it's, it's like, OK, this is I have to be careful with this because you whoever gets it is the person you want to have it. But that person doesn't always have the influence to get someone else to listen. Hmm. So when you do a hand in hand, you see the person, right? They see you. So it's a real energy trans transferred. So you can, you know, yo, I appreciate you. And you're like, man, that was cool. Like, you know, that works better than, it works much better than me putting money to my ear and showing you how much more I have than you do. <laughs> because at that point, why should I support you right. if you're just going to torment me with my support? Right, right, right. You know, it's like, but but you wouldn't do that in hand-in-hand. You wouldn't go up, you wouldn't walk up to a person off the street and go, hey, money calling. <laughs>
0: But so on the still, Internet,
1: you can do anything. So that's still, that, that could be
0: a good note for artists is still put in, like, the footwork on it. The yeah. Internet, that's still the best path. Yeah. The,
1: the Internet is, is, is yeast. Hmm. It's like an amplifier. But whatever is actually happening is going to be amplified. So if you are fake big, right, and, and something you do that was so silly on the Internet connects, everybody then goes to find out, oh, well, where did they come from? And all that information is there too. Mm-hmm. So the internet is is double sided. It's like it's it's only going to show what's there. Totally. So you know, as either you preface it with I'm, "this is entertainment." I'm not really this dude. I just this is my friend's money, and we're just playing <laughs> jokes. But once you say it's yours, and people show up to see it, and it's not there. They have phones, too, and they go, ah, oh, bruh, look at what, shawty ain't got nothing. I'm up here at Walmart at 3 in the morning here, too, trying to get T-shirts, but it ain't got it. Like, and, and it turns into the reverse of whatever it is yeah. you thought you were doing. I mean, I've done a show
0: with a promoter that had, like, 50,000 followers, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. And it wasn't. Five people, dude, like, including the staff five people like and i was like okay so that was a good that's a good lesson yeah right there yeah it's always a good lesson failure is always it's the, the best, best
1: lesson whoa no it's true i mean yeah. it's, it's a fact yeah like the people that i see again the people that you see that blow up with no adversity they don't know how to handle adversity and mm. it's going to happen mm-hmm. like there's no way like we've never seen anybody be the same hot their whole career right so what would you say is a humongous failure that you learned from humongous because I always I think ask, humongous yeah. you wouldn't know. So it's like it's not really that humongous because nobody yeah. saw it. But, but I, I ask, like if there's a comedian
0: on here, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, what's your biggest bomb story? Like, what's your boo story? Is oh. what I'll ask people like when they got booed on stage. So I love hearing that with all all of my guests because we talk
1: about all the success you've mm-hmm. had, but yeah. people need to understand. No, no, the there's a bunch of them. I'm just now I'm trying to think of what. Um, I mean, shit, I've been in this industry for 20 years and the things you know about, they're probably about 10 things. So everything else <laughs> ain't out of work. So I was like, let's think about this. Um, well, I, I'll say the, the, probably for me, the most disappointing is, well, not, not disappointing, no. The thing that I feel like is a failure from my watch, right, is Yellow Wolf. Okay. Like I signed Yellow Wolf. um, He was introduced to me by Courtney Seals, um, Homeboy Bear, and we knew he was special, right? He came from somewhere different, had a different story, super skilled, but obviously there was some troubles. You know what I'm saying? There was some. He was thinking about other stuff too. So we there was always like, I felt like we didn't we didn't. I personally didn't feel like I helped him to handle this the business. Hmm. Like because we were so hyped on how dope he was that we just threw him out. Like he's the only person that I can say, although we we worked with him for a very long time. He didn't go everywhere with me. Like T I everywhere I went, T I was there. Cap G everywhere I went. Like most of my artists, Usher, like Pink all, whoever I work with, it's like a real you come see this. But I didn't make Yellow Wolf hang out. So he only stayed in the studio. And he only wrote and he only saw his world, which was t- the stage and the studio. Uh, so all the other stuff, when it started working and all the attention and people, new people like you, people who you like for your whole life now, like you allegedly. And, you know, it's like, yo, I'm different now. And there's nothing you can do because they didn't see it. And I thought that I could tell him in, about the stories. But the difference in all of the other artists was they hung out in a way where they noticed the other people in the room before the tension was on them. That's a big
0: part of it. That's something I've been trying to focus on more is like I'll get tunnel vision on just the stage. But it's like, yeah, the hanging out, but just hanging out with the right people. And and watching who's
1: hanging out with you. Uh huh. Like because the other part is you don't notice you in the room. You don't always notice your impact in a room, right, as an artist. Because you're in there as, like, sometimes just happy to be in the room because you get to experience something that you can now flip into a joke from now You know, it's right, like right, the right. experience is what you're actually usually into it from an art standpoint, right? Yeah. But some people are just in the room because they want to be in a room with other people or famous people. And they'll do anything to be in that room. And the person that you bring in is on your credit. <sighs> So you know. it's 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 just to me it's a lot, and if you don't notice that this is a real business, if you don't recognize that this, yeah, it's a privilege to be in this position to be able to possibly get something off that can take care of your family and your life, and mm-hmm. you know, it's dope. Yeah, the, the show's a job and the business is a job 1,000%. as well. No, at, at the point that you make entertainment your your, your career, you're a job, mm. and you have to look at yourself like that, like. If you worked at McDonald's, would your friends want to come hang out while you make fries? Probably not. Interesting, but but everybody wants to hang out with famous people. Everybody wants to hang out at your job. Yeah, and you being
0: a director, writer, DJ, dancer, executive, <laughs> dancer, <right>. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'll throw that in there. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. So <laughs> how do you and like me? I'm, I'm like a comedian, a podcast host. I'm a teacher. Like I, I'm an author. Like and it's you have all these different skill sets. How do you nourish? How do you, how would you nourish each one? Would you just focus on one at a time and throw all your energy into each individually, or do you uh, accommodate time for each?
1: How'd you? I definitely give everything its time, and mm-hmm. it's not like I'm always doing all of them at the same time. Uh-huh. DJing has always been there. It's there's never it's never not been a part of my life. Um, whether it was in my office, I would have my turntable set up. I would after work just sit there for a while. You know that was my stress relief. Oh, as an executive. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So like you know. It was just, it was kind of a part of my like. If I got an office, what do you want in your office? That went in, mm-hmm. and it. I, I'm sure most people thought it was just for shows, like he's trying to show his hip hopness. <laughs> but, <laughs> but after work, I would sit around, and that's what I would still do because that's where I started. So, it was kind of my comfort, my my security blanket. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take effort for me to do that, really, like because I do it anyway. That no, takes effort. That means I say that because that's why people pay me, because the effort that I put into it. But mm-hmm. it's something I will be doing at home for free anyway, though. Gotcha. But A and R is something I do because I notice, and you know, it's like I notice, and and you want to help when you see somebody who's dope and and there's something that you could do that could just it might be simple to you, but you can plug them with someone and it helped them. That's dope to me. I just I like that because that that's just good you know, karmic energy out, Hmm. you know, and it's, it's whether I was doing it on purpose or not, I don't know, but I know that somewhere about 10 years in, I noticed that people that I had just, you know, looked out for were in places where they said they wanted to be and they were, they wanted me there. And, you know, it was like, it was just cool. But then I noticed, okay, so I can't help people. So then, you know, that makes it a job, but, all the stuff I do, I just I would be doing it for free. Oh, so everything
0: you've picked is something you just enjoyed anyway. Yeah,
1: somebody else put a title on it. I didn't know A&R was a job until Pebble said so. Yeah, DJing was the only thing I chose to do. Uh huh. Everything else kind of came from the fact that I love music and art, and I just you know yeah I like art. I'm an art dude. Like I guess a ghetto art dude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And now you're hitting, like, the DJ, you're, like, hitting that live hard again now. Like, so
1: you're out doing shows and everything now. Yeah, Yeah, it's fun. Um, It's KP, the great thing is is working out. Because originally (laughs) I thought it was going to be my retirement plan. Like, I told my my homeboy guy, I'm like, I just want to do as much as I can, retire and DJ in, like, random places and be able to not need money from anybody. Like, let that be the thing that covers my my beach life. Right, right, right. You know, Uh and, you know, yeah, I but it's turned into a thing that happened faster because I started doing it outside and luckily I'm good at it. Yeah. But yeah, like, You've you You've been know. doing it since you're 12, I would imagine. <laughs> but no, I mean cuz it, again, it, oh, let me not say I'm good at it. Someone agrees with my taste. Gotcha. As a, as a, in music when mm-hmm. we when I do stuff. So I'm I'm appreciative of that. And you're still a turntable guy. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you still like the old school feel.
1: You know what? It's just um Yeah, I don't even know, like, old school, new school. Like, I I can use CDJs, and it just doesn't feel fun. It Mm -hmm. feels like I'm contained in this little space with these little knobs as opposed to free flow of range of space. And it's just not as fun to watch people play on, like, a computer. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're doing everything your way, and you're following just what you enjoy, and that's created your success. What do you... What do you think is different about you? Because a lot of people may do that, but they don't hit this the level
1: you've hit. Like, what do you think is different about you? I don't necessarily do it for me. Okay. Like I recognize that I'm the person or the vehicle in it, right? But I'm doing it for an effect or a feeling for people to feel a way. Like if you if you hire me as a DJ, I assume you want to have a good time at your party, right? So I want to play records that make you specifically feel like everybody in the room feel like this party was specifically for them. Hmm. So it's like you have to pay attention to everybody in the room. You got to see faces. You got to, yeah, You, you it's more giving than it is about me being AMKP, like, you know, fist pumping. It's yeah. more about, okay, I feel great when I see other people feeling great. So then I have a good time, too. So it's kind of like a secular kind of gratification, I guess being selfless you're a giver oh I'm, not, I'm yeah, oh are you selfish I'm yeah. like a giver I'm a, yeah. um but but <laughs> cool. but um selfish is weird because I'm my only child so mm-hmm. I've heard that I'm selfish at, at times but I don't think so um it seems to have worked for you it works because you know what I know for a fact I'm not selfish I can say that mm-hmm. wholeheartedly but Sometimes in thinking about a bunch of things or a bunch of people or a whole circumstance as opposed to a single thing, it makes someone who, it it, it can make an artist or anybody really feel like you're not for them 100%. But it's like, no, no, I'm for it. I'm for the whole of it. Mm -hmm. So that your part, if your part is great and this person's part is great and everybody's doing great, we're doing great. And some people think that that's not, attentive but i'm like i just see different like you know i'm kind of what do you you know like analyze quicker in a way yeah it's like a weird beautiful mind kind of thing in my head sometimes (laughs) like it goes from like beautiful mind to cartoon like in no time but it's a very real thing it's like i happen to see the field different and what do you see the field of music headed towards right now Quality again. Okay. Like when you look at the things that are actually making money and surviving, mm-hmm. it's actually quality-based music. And you start seeing the people, the hustle, or the the lick people. Like you see them follow to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And with the internet, it's made it that much harder to get noticed. Like it makes the work that much more. So you know, I like that the fact that the the people who aren't for real, that they, dis- they disappear, and they disappear like just as big as. They came. Totally. So, authenticity. Authenticity, it works. Like, you know, you see people go through trials and tribulations, but the thing that if they're authentically the person that you believe them to be as an artist, mm-hmm. they're just a person that you know they're going to go through shit, and how they handle it is how you respond to it, you know, from the outside. Who are you listening to right now? Oh, shit. Who am I listening to? I'm listening to everybody. Um, I like NBA Youngster. It's um, a song called Untouchable. Um, okay. I like a lot of – I like – I listen to everything, so it's kind of hard to say that because mm-hmm. like, every, like every Monday I do this thing called the Monday High Five on my um, Instagram Yeah, where it's just like because I randomly hear like songs from people that I don't know or whatever, but like, with Shazam, I'll just Shazam it. At the end of the week I'll go through and see which songs I like the most, put five of them up, you know, and, you know, sometimes it's people I know, sometimes it's people I don't know at all, and it's, it's fun because, you know, to see if I post something um, – it was an artist this week, I think, named um, Boehm, It's spelled B-O-E-H-M, Okay, and it's from New Zealand, but it was a song I thought it was dope, so I posted it, but he saw it, liked it, commented, you know, it's like, and and now, you know, if you want, now you can start relationships with these people creatively, too. It's yeah. like, it's, it's, yeah, it's cool. But anyway, yeah, it's the give back. The give back is the shit for me. The give back. Yeah.
0: Well, you giving your time to sit down and do this, KP, uh, it's, I'm... I'm so privileged because nobody's really done this with you. So it's I'm so happy that oh, sure. we were able to do this on Hot Breath. Um,
1: before we get out of here, is there anything else you want the world to know? Um, follow me on, I guess, my socials. Not, I guess. Follow me on my socials, <laughs> please. If if you don't mind, please follow me on my socials. It's K-A-W-A-N-P-R-A-T-H-E-R at Kawan Praetha. It's my government name. You know, that's first. And, you know, you can find me through KP the Great. You can, uh, website's about to launch. So that you can, you know, it can be a little more professional in the world of KP the Great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a dope website, too. Getting the brand up. You know what? Just, just take, you know what? Doing the things that I've advised other people to do, mm-hmm. I'm just doing some of them for myself now. And it's, you know, it's a weird thing, but I appreciate that it works. So it means I've given good advice. What are some of those things? Be consistent. Um, give it the attention it needs like practice and, you know, just the giving whatever the, the job you're trying to do, give it the attention that it deserves in order to get back what you want. So it's, you know, I'm, I research, I listen, I pay attention, I talk to people. Um, and, you know, even like things like this are, this is cool to me, right? Because you get to talk to somebody who actually is thinking about things. So mm-hmm. it gives me ideas, listening to the questions that you ask. So it's, it's, it's again, it's mutual. It's it's a give back, but it's also I it's a give and take. Yeah.
0: And some of that's very time consuming, like you said, like trying to compartmentalize all these different aspects to become successful. Like do you do you have like a daily schedule? Or are you organized in that way?
1: Hmm. Um to you apply? The most organized I am is my gym is the most consistent stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do that so that I can eat not as great as I I should I feel you on that, yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's see, my kids. Yeah, it's like time that I speak to, I talk to my kids, do stuff with my kids. That's the most scheduled thing is my kids' stuff. Okay. But creatively, I kind of just live in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I practice about two hours a day DJing. Do you schedule that time or is it just when you find it? I just do it. Okay. Like, yeah, I just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, But I'm not as locked into my phone as. I probably even should be as an executive. But no, it worked out. No, I'm, it's fine, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing fine, KP. <laughs> you're doing
0: great, actually. <laughs> this is great. Hashtag be great. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on Hot Breath, man. It's been thank a real you. privilege. Appreciate it. Woo. Uh, we made that. it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, Hot Breath Verse. A -a one-of-a-kind interview with a -a one-of-a-kind talent, artist, mastermind, Kawan Prather, everybody. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for your support. If you did, enjoy this. Let your voice be heard. Creative Loafing is doing their best of Atlanta voting right now. Head on over to their website. Please cast your vote in the Cityscapes section For Best Local Podcast, Hot Breath Podcast, this whole podcast is about showing how dope Atlanta is. You guys heard Kawan say it himself. He's been in the city since before we even had all this industry, and now he's seen it grow into the industry. So I'm here to highlight that movement and this really artistic revolution happening in the city. So if there's somebody out there that you would like to hear on Hot Breath, please hit me up. At Joel Byers Comedy on social media, at Hot Breath Pod on social media. You can go to my website, Joel On there, there's a link to my schedule, you can see my performance calendar. There's a link to my comedy class, my book, the podcast, even. But in all reality, if you just want to come see me live, every single Wednesday, I am at Java Monkey Indicator. We just celebrated our sixth-year anniversary and we're still going strong. It's a free show. Dope fuss show. so come on out. If you like comedy, that's the spot, yo. I don't know why I'm talking like, yo, I just interviewed Kawan, and now I'm like, yo. But um, we out here, so let that be known, and I'd like to hear what your feedback is on it. What was your favorite moment? What was the favorite thing you learned of this interview? It's really all about educating and entertaining, laughing and learning, all here in the hot breath of verse. So thank you for your support. Thank you, listeners. Thank you to my engineer, Amon Garner, keeping all these sounding crystal clear. Thank you to Comedy Artwork for making all my logos from the podcast to my website, to my comedy class. Hit him up if you need any dope artwork done. And of course, thank you to my wife. Yes, she has made the theme song for this podcast, and she has been my ultimate motivator, so shout out to my lovely wife, and shout out to my lovely listeners, aww, we're closing out so sentimental, anyway, let's get out of here, thank you so much for your time, I know it's valuable, so if you enjoyed this one, you can check out almost the over 90 other episodes I have on iTunes and Audio Boom. but most importantly. Just keep on keeping on, people. Until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. Hot Breath. Oh. What'd you think, man? Yeah. That was cool. That, that was, was a great. Is that worth your time?
1: Oh, absolutely. Shit. Made me think about stuff I hadn't thought about. Good. Like, that's the that, The questions are dope. Like, actually, the research is dope.
0: (laughs) That's my number one thing with this is, like, I want these interviews to be, like, if I want to hear the the one interview about this person, I can go to Hot Breath because I know it's going to be researched. And this is pretty much all the interviews you've done. I just compiled into one. Mm Mm-hmm.